afternoon. How are you? Praise the Lord. Glory. Genesis chapter twenty eight. Bless God, bless the Lord, glory to God, nice to see you. Um, last week, the Lord gave us light concerning the law of the womb. And we shared extensively on what that means and its significance. On Friday while I was praying, while we were here in church praying, brother, the, the Lord began speaking to me about another law that has been overlooked amongst men. The patterns of God are generational. The ways of God are generational. They are not confined to a time. They are not confined to a dispensation. God may not enact them in a certain dispensation because of the administration of that time, but that does not mean that the patterns of God change. They are as ancient as God is. That's why it's called the ancient ways, the ancient parts. Alright? So just like just like in, in, in from from before the law was given, God could not impute sin unto man. Because that dispensation had not brought about the law. But the law was there because the law is a reflection of who God is. God is law. You understand that? So that it was not enacted or enforced does not mean that it was not in existence. So God judged man from the time of Adam's fall to the time of Moses by different criteria. But the pattern of God is seen throughout the entire Bible. How God works through civilization. How God works through humanity. God is not going to change his ways because of a man. He's not going to change his ways because of a, a, a particular circumstance. His ways are eternal. Hallelujah. So being born again does not exempt us from observing the laws of God. Having come to Christianity does not exempt us from having to observe the laws, the ways, the patterns, the systems of how God operates. And I think the biggest flop we have done in Christianity is that we have majored on our faith, on Christ's atonement without really understanding the God to whom we have formed allegiance with. So we base our entire Christian's life on the basis of what Christ did on the cross. But we must remember this. What Jesus came to do on the cross was to rectify an error which Adam did. 
that if he was he he did not see the ways or the patterns through which God would deal with man would continue to be the same. So Jesus had came came to bring a straightening, a correction of the path and the patterns of God, so that we once again can with liberty now observe them. So what, what Jesus' sacrifice on the cross does for us is that it enables us to operate and function in the patterns of God with, with liberty and with the understanding and the light that comes from Jesus. So God has systems. God has patterns. God has ways in which he administrates himself in the lives of civilization. The pattern is the same. Men may come and go, but the patterns of God remain the same. And so what we must try to seek after in our lives is to really understand or come to terms with, with, with how God works, how God uh, deals with humanity and align ourselves with those dealings. One of the things Jesus said to the young rich man when he said to him, I have done everything, I've done all the law, I want eternal life. Jesus said, there's one thing you lack, boy. Forsake all, sell all your wealth and come follow me. Then you shall have treasure in heaven. The boy said, no. Why? Because the ways of Jesus demand that we must lose something of what we have previously adapted ourselves to conform to. So Jesus said, to, in order for you to follow me, drop your system, drop your way, Drop your plans, drop your patterns, drop the paths upon which you are walking and follow me. So you can't follow Jesus and still keep your way. And that's why there's so, so much frustration in Christendom is because we are trying to consolidate the patterns of God by, by, by still continuing on the path that we have chosen ourselves. It doesn't work that way. So he says, if any man would follow me, let him lose his life. Let him lose his, let, let, he says, let him deny himself. To follow Jesus is to deny yourself, is to deny your ways, is to deny your own perception of life, to take up his. So in reality, we have Christians by name, but really, few followers of Jesus. Most in Christendom don't follow Jesus because they have not denied themselves. They have not yet come to the point where the Lord can disciple them because they have not denied themselves. They have not renounced their own ways. They have not renounced their own paths. Your journey with God begins there. Are you listening to me? Your journey with God, until you get to that point in your life, you have not begun your journey with God. So God can wait. He can wait. He will wait. He is very patient. Look when he finds Abraham at age 75. Why not age 60? Why not age 40? Why not earlier on in his life? ways of the Lord are sure. They are pure. They are right. 
that is the only way, brothers and sisters, we can truly migrate out of this system into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ said to Pontius Pilate, he said something strange. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. You know, you must put yourself in that, in that scene, in that engagement with Pontius Pilate. Imagine you were Pontius Pilate. He had not known any other thing of any extraterrestrial kingdom. Now here's a man who looks like him. He tells him, my kingdom is not this What do you think was happening in Pontius Pilate's mind when he heard that? Man speaks of earthly kingdoms. This one was speaking of a kingdom that was not earthly in its nature. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, then my servants would fight. Pontius Pilate said, are you then a king? He says, you say rightly that I am a king. For, for this cause I was born. And for this cause I shall die. Fight my. And Paul says this. He says, hold fast to the profession that Jesus held before Pontius Pilate, that he was a king out of this world. So he recognized that he had a kingdom. He was fully aware that he had a kingdom. And that is the same kingdom to which he called us to, the kingdom which is not from this world. Now ask yourself, we are in the world. We are in the world. We exist in the world. But he says, he says, he has called us to his own kingdom. The Bible says, bless God who has called us to his own kingdom and glory. So what we have inherited in Christ is a kingdom that is not earthly in its nature. That tells us that our primordial existence or engagement in life should be from that platform. Now it's tough because we have been programmed. That is the reason why the first thing Satan did, you must, the first thing Satan did when he got his seed was to establish a city. Was to establish, not Adam's seed. Notice, Adam's sin, Adam's sin, but he kept close to the garden. And we never hear anything of Adam doing any other wrong thing from that day. Right? That he sinned against God did not mean he continued to live a sinful and wicked life. More than anything else, he was remorseful. You, you, you understand that? Now, his seed, his seed came. Jesus, after God said to Cain and Abel, bring offerings and sacrifices, what, what, and they brought it, right? And when they brought it, this one brought from his harvest. He was a farmer. The other one brought from his sheep, right? And God accepted Who's offering? Abel's. And he rejected Cain's. 
Now, when you look at that, if you don't understand what was required, you may think God was unfair. But God was not unfair. God was not unfair. We'll get to that uh, at a later stage. So, Cain becomes angry. Right? Cain becomes angry. And God asks Cain, why is your countenance changed? If you do what is right, would you not be accepted? Then God says something. He says, behold, sin lies at the door and it knocketh. He says, but you have dominion over it. And God left it at that. When he left, Cain opened the door to sin. God was just was talking about much more than sin. He was talking about someone. It was a personality. And what would finalize the excess, the entrance of that personality was the act that he did. When he murdered Abel, that personality entered him. And that is why we know Cain, the Bible says, as of the, he's, a, he's the devil, the evil one. Says, the Bible says so, that Cain is of the evil one. So we see when he kills him, God comes back to him again. He asks him, where is your brother? You follow me? Where is your brother? He says to him, Am I my brother's keeper? Imagine he's talking to God. Am I my brother's keeper? I can assure you, the, the, the being was talking to. Remember, had the form of God, was an angel. He wasn't. You can't, you can't see God and talk to God like that. Impossible. So you must have seen an angel and God talking through the angel. Say, am I my brother's keeper? Then God said to him, is this not the blood of your brother that cries to me from the earth? <laughs> And God began to curse him. And he cursed him and Cain said, I can't take this. And God says, okay, fine. I'll give a mark on you. Let everybody who sees him, let not him be killed. And for the rest of his life, the rest of his life, something was happening. Abel's blood continued to cry out. Vengeance and justice. On who? On Cain. When Cain leaves, the Bible says, and Cain departed from the presence of the Lord. That's a that's a that's a an intentional statement. It says, and Cain departed from the presence of the Lord towards the land of Nod. And then he built a city. Cain was the first to build a city. Abel did not build a city. Adam, his father, did not build a city. Cain builds a city. Where does he get the idea to build a city? Where does he get the idea to construct a city? Where are those blueprints coming from? Remember, this was something that was taking place in the spirit. After Satan and his regions had fallen to the earth, they, they had desired to now populate the earth and regions in the earth with structural and infrastructural systems. 
that would allow them to what to carry out their mandate in hindering what God wanted to do in the earth. So what God had planned with Adam is that Adam would sit as a governor, a king over the earth, to not only to men but also to spirits, to keep the spirits that needed to be kept at bay, at bay, and to subdue the earth. So when he failed, now Satan had authority, but he needed a man to which to what to 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 express that plan and to materialize that plan. So the first thing he does is build a city. Doesn't build a house. Cain doesn't build a house. He builds a city. And he names that city educated, initiated. Now I have learned the name of the city was the first city. The first city on earth was called Enoch. I have learned, educated. What did he learn? It also means initiated. What was he initiated into? So the design of the city, the agenda was one thing. Hinder God from progressing his plan. Begin to populate and germinate ungodly seed. To what? To populate the system. With our ideas, with our philosophies, with our ideologies. So the offspring of what we know today as the world started there. That was the prototype that Satan had. And one of the things, one of the things that were predominant in that city was music. Creation of instruments to Balkane, his son. He, he was called the father of those who created and made instruments, musical instruments. What was happening? He was forming a city. That city, its design was to mobilize a force that would stand against what? Against the fulfillment of God's plan. Because now, who had the head start? Satan now had the head start. Oh God. He had the head start because he had no man now through which to what? To, 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 to cause his plan to continue. He had to wait generations. After a while, he gives birth to a son called Shem, and Shem gives birth, and God chooses that lineage. But he's still waiting. Waiting for who? Notice, he, he makes no covenant with that first seven, eight generation. He, he makes no covenant with either one of them. Not even Enoch. Not even Noah. The only covenant that God made with Noah was the covenant of Genesis. Was the covenant of creation. No any other covenant. He waited another generation until he found a man called Abraham. Abraham is the first man who God cut a deal with. Imagine, from, from Adam to Abraham, how many years was that? So when the Bible talks about 
cosmos system arrangements when the bible talks about all this infrastructure that is set in place in the world you must understand its agenda don't let its beauty deceive you its agenda is diabolical the main reason why satan wants you to work why satan wants you to to do business oh god is to rape you from your inheritance look at what god did to the children of israel they were workers in the kingdom of Egypt, they were workers. They worked there. And God said, hey, tell this person to let my people go that they may worship me. Not work for me, that they may worship me. God wanted to formulate an, a nation out of them. And when Pharaoh had them, what was the first thing that Pharaoh did? He increased their labor. He increased their labor. He said they were, they were beginning to go crazy. So what he needed to do? Increase their labor. Why? To stop them thinking about God. <laughs> That's the design of war. It's not about productivity. It's the intent is to stop you thinking about God and aligning yourself with the divine propositions of the heavenly. Because he knows that day, the day, the day you are stripped of every concern from this world, from this earth, your focus would be on destroying him, the intent which God created you. <laughs> Jesus did the things of men before the Spirit came. After the spirit came, you never see him doing the things of men again. Without the spirit, he lived like men. But when the spirit came, he ceased living like other men. How did his providence come? How did his provision come? How did the supply come? He wasn't concerned about where to sleep, what to eat, what to drink. He even told you not to be concerned about that. But it's tough because we are, I'm going somewhere. Because I want to teach you something today. It's tough because we have been, we have been in bondage for generations. Our genes have inherited the bondage, the slavery of past generation. So it's tough for us to come out of the system, for us to think, how is this possible? To live by another system that you did not know before. lest he should be a burden to the Christians. Something for which he was commanded to administrate. So it was not God's fault. It was Paul's fault. Because you never see Peter, John and James going back to their vocation again. Mm. 
the calling of a of a Christian, the calling of the Christian. God meets a boy, 17 years of age. He meets that boy because he comes from a, a family of priests. He meets that boy at 17 years of age. He meets them, he tells him that I am here to consecrate you. A boy says to him, Hi, I'm still a youth, I'm still a youth. God says, Before you were born, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. The boy says, I can't do this thing. Choose another person. God said, Do not say that you are a youth. For behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Then he said, See, this day I have set you over nations and kingdoms. The boy was 17. God said, I've set you over nations and kingdoms. To pull down and uproot, to destroy, to build and to plant. God is telling a boy, I have put you over nations and kingdoms, nations and kingdoms, nations and kingdoms, nations and kingdoms. For the fact that he gave him his, he had put his word in his mouth. Any man on earth, you see, we, you, you don't know what you got. You don't know what has been delivered to you. God gave us his word. You see, it is the word of God that makes us gods amongst men. Jesus told them in John chapter 10, he said, is, is it not written in your law that I said, yeah.